Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. The next word is the word memorize. I like what Proverbs 7, 3 says about memorizing. It says, write the word on the tablet of your heart. It's like your heart now becomes an iPad. It's like your heart now becomes a great tablet. And you now take God's word, it's inside of you, and you're writing on it. That would be like memorizing scripture. And by the way, that one little verse, Proverbs 7, 1, 2, 3, there's a whole lot of verses that talk about hiding thy word in your heart so you won't sin against him. So that's the memorization part of it. The fifth one is the word meditate. Now, I know that you know pretty much what meditation is. Now, we're not talking about transcendental meditation, but we are talking about focusing our attention on God's word and what it says accurately, keyword, to me, to you, all right? So you're meditating on it. Now, some of you say, I don't know how to meditate. I can't meditate. I don't even think I like to meditate. Uh, that's, that's, that's so, you know, woo-woo-woo out there, meditation. Well, let me share this with you. You and I, we meditate practically every single day, don't we? We meditate every day. You say, no, no, I don't worry. Yeah, you do. You know when you meditate? Every time you worry about something, you're meditating. What are you doing? You're thinking about something that is kind of like, I don't know if this is going to happen. What if? What? How, how about me? What, I know the future. It's all uncertain. I know. That worrying right there is a form of meditation. So what the scripture says is don't meditate on those things that are negative. You're going to meditate on God's word, which will unleash the joy and the peace and the faith so that you can rest in the Lord, knowing that he's large and in charge while being near and dear in your life. So you want to meditate on God's word. Now, I'm going to stop there for a moment on those five, because what I'd like to do to help you remember this is I'd like you to either draw a hand on your paper somewhere, a hand, not a stick finger hand, but a hand, so that when you see your hand, you'll remember these five areas, okay? So look at it. The little finger is going to represent, I'm going to hear the Word of God, put myself under consistent, accurate Bible teaching and preaching. Number two, I'm going to read the Word of God, maybe in the morning, maybe at night, but I'm going to be reading God's Word, and I hope we do that every day. Number three, we're going to study God's Word, more than just opening up a simple devotional booklet, unless we let that devotional booklet stir us into taking special notes that will speak to our life so we really know God's Word more deeply. The fourth one, of course, the next finger, maybe it's the index finger, will be the word memorize. Now, for us, we probably only memorized in some kind of a children's ministry that would give us points or awards if we memorize Scripture. Not necessarily bad, but it kind of stops and starts there. But for Christians that are the post-toasty Christians, a little bit better maybe than others, they're going to choose then that what I want to do is I want to choose myself. I need to memorize the book. I'm going to find verses that speak to me, and I'm going to start memorizing. Far be it for me to tell you exactly what verses you should or how many verses you should or how many days of the week that you should, but it is for me to say meditation is something that we all need to do. So we need to meditate in the Word here. So memorize and then finally come into meditation. So you have the five fingers, hear, read, study, memorize, and meditate. But you said, well, wait a minute, Stan, there's a sixth blank there. The sixth blank is the word apply. You know, we could do all of this and we become very heady as a Christian. But if we want to have the rest of our life be the best of our life, we want to do then the sixth one, which is the word apply. 
You might say, well, Stan, I'm pretty normal. I don't have six fingers. I I have five fingers. What do I do with that? Very simple. In the center of it, I have the palm of my hand right here, and that's where the word apply would be. I use that word apply because if I had to stick something down on a piece of paper and I wanted to make sure it was glued tightly to it, I would kind of force my hand. I would apply pressure to it. So when I think of that palm now, I'm going to think in terms of applying God's word. Now remember, listen very carefully, Jesus said in Luke, it's blessed is the man who hears my word and does my word. James says the same thing. Blessed is the person who don't just listen to the word, but also does the word. So when we leave here from church, it's more like not just how much I know, how much I just worship. It's also I show my knowledge and my worship to the Lord by how I'm going to live my life based on the biblical convictions that I should have. So I want to have you look at that because that's so very, very important to us. Let me show you Psalm 1, 1 through 3 because I want to talk a little bit more about meditation because I think if I really begin to meditate, a lot of these other things begin to take care of itself. Notice what it says here in the New Living Translation. I I like that translation only for this passage at least. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in the mockers with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. That's cool. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. That means they're continually bearing fruit. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Look up here for just a moment and see if you can uh, resonate with this. Wouldn't you think that as people face a new chapter in their life, like this coming year, that they would like two things in their life, they would like to have continual joy in their life, really, really joy in their life. And the second would be to get through all of this with some degree of prosperity. Now, I'm not talking about prosperity theology. I'm not talking about us getting rich but a real sense that we know that our needs are being met so that we have enough to do what we need to do and that God has given us resources to do ministry the way he wants us to do ministry. And for us, that would be prosperity. We just want to have enough to say, yes, Lord, thank you for this. We want joy and prosperity. Well, this passage tells us what to avoid and what to embrace to be able to have joy and prosperity. Look back at the passage again. It says this, the first part, what to avoid. It says, do not follow the advice of the wicked. Now tell me, where would you be hearing advice from wicked people? Television, some measure. Media, videos, DVDs, movies. The list could go on and on. I'm not here to point my finger at any one particular thing, but advice is giving. When people are giving information, they're obviously wanting you to take it, whether it's a marketing thing or whatever. They're giving you advice. Here it says, not that you hear it so much, but it says here that you do not follow the advice of the wicked. So for us not to follow the advice of the wicked means that we're trying to avoid the advice of the wicked. So let the Holy Spirit speak to you about where are you in listening to advice. Now I threw at you, media, could I do this? And I wish I was seated right next to you and I could look you in the eye so you can see how I know this is going to hit you a little bit. And I'm not trying to be your Holy Spirit. Could it be a family member that's giving you advice? That's wicked? Could it be someone you work with? Could it be someone that you really respect? In many ways, they're good people, but that particular advice is not of the Lord. So maybe you have to rethink the amount of time you spend with them. Because when they're 
showering you with that wicked advice, you are getting dirty. Okay, it's hitting you. So just think about that. goes on to say here, nor stand around with sinners, which means you spend a lot more time. The, the advice from wicked people sometimes can come pretty fast. You kind of drive by it, you hear it on TV for 20 minutes, it's over. But this is where you stand around these people. The next is join in with mockers. Join in means you're sitting there, you're now with them, and you're allowing that mockery, that mocking, whether it's God or your belief system or theology or, or, or whatever those biblical principles and truths are that you've chosen to live by, they're mocking those. Do we need to be around those? Do we need to listen to that? Do we need to watch that? Again, I am not trying to be your Holy Spirit. But again, if we have the conviction that I will base all my belief and I will base my entire lifestyle upon God's inerrant word, these are choices that we must make. Now, notice the key thought about meditating again. That's taking the time of really letting the word of God saturate you. And I really think what's going to happen then, it's going to put like a guard-all shield around you. Remember that, the old guard-all shield? When you meditate, there's something up there that says, you know what, that just doesn't smell right. I can't see the skunk in there, but I can smell the skunk. It will give you a little bit of a caution. So consider that, if you will. So number one is, I will base all my beliefs and my lifestyle on God's inerrant word. So if you're looking for something to make a change in this year, don't just know that truth. Because you really don't know it until you really live it. Then it becomes a conviction. Let's go to number two. Number two would be this. I will build genuine relationships by living a life of integrity. I will build genuine relationships by living a life of integrity while attempting to add value to others. What a, what a powerful sentence there. It's kind of like the Puritans. If you ever read their stuff, their sentences go on and on and on and on and on, you know? And I don't mean for this to happen, but to give this conviction justice... It needed to be a little bit longer. And it says, I will build genuine relationships. So again, the word is I will. You can't make your mate do it. You can't necessarily make your kids do it. You can work on that and guide them and model and mentor and all that. But it starts with us. I will build. Build is something you don't do overnight. But it is something that happens day by day by day by day. Let me uh, share this with some of you that have built a home or had a home built for you. Remember how excited you were when you heard they're breaking ground, and then you go there and you see, okay, and you go back the next, uh-huh, and you go back a week, and huh, and nothing's happening. You know, and you wonder, will this ever get done? And then all of a sudden it starts happening, and it starts happening. But you don't buy the house and they build it overnight, and you move in the next day. It takes time. So with relationships, believe me, it takes time, talent, treasure, and all the effort to get it done. Then it says genuine relationships. We can fake it till we make it with someone. We can tell them we love them, but the love is only shown when we put ourselves in God's working clothes of compassion. So relationships, by living a life of integrity. Nothing breaks a relationship more when a person loses trust in the other person. When you lose trust, you lose respect. When you lose respect, you lose good communication with that person. So we talk about genuine relationships, authentic ones. A lot to say about that, but not for today. It says, by living a life, that's not being uh, having integrity one day. It's a lifestyle of knowing that people can trust your word. You are a man and a woman, a young man and a young woman of their word. It goes on to say, while attempting to add value to others. Circle the word attempting for a moment. Because you can't control the value that you'll add to them You can try to, but they have to receive it. 
they have to want to be built, those kinds of things. So you're at least going to attempt it. It wouldn't surprise me any that those of you that are watching and listening to me today, that you have already owned this and you've tried to build it with someone. But is it possible that since it wasn't going anywhere, you quit attempting? That you backed away? I know I have. And that's a tragedy. Because sometimes if we keep working at it, sooner or later, we don't know, but we just might hit the gold inside that dark cave. So I'd like to encourage you to keep on attempting. Then it says to add value to others. Let's see how Scripture might speak to that. Let the Lord talk to us in Romans chapter 15, 1 through 3. It says this, We then who are strong, and I'm going to believe that you are strong in the faith. You might not be strong as the person next to you, but you could be stronger than the person on the other side of you. So we're going to assume you're strong in the faith. So we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. Bear, scruples, weak, that's kind of big words here. Well, let's talk about the word bear. The word bear could mean put up with. I'm going to bear this. When I bear a burden, I'm taking that burden, I'm putting up with it, I'm holding it up, all right? Put up with the scruples. A better word might be for our language today would be the word weaknesses. we got people that are weak around us. I'd like to say the uniquenesses. So you could add that. That's not scriptural, but that's Ponzism, all right? Bear the, with the uniquenesses of other people. Could be weaknesses. They're just different than I am, all right? They're unique. Of the weak. I need to put up, because I'm a stronger person, with the uniquenesses and the weaknesses of the weak people. Then it says, and not to please ourselves. Sometimes we have a disease, and it's called me-first-itis. Some people like to call it, it's all about me, you know, that kind of thing. You watch a lot of Hallmark thing, it's follow your heart, you know, that kind of thing. And it's usually about you, how to make your life better. Well, here it says, hey, we have to put up with these people and not really please ourselves. Now, what does it mean not to please ourselves? Well, the next sentence says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good. So in other words, when we pop out of bed in the morning, before we ever hit the wild, wicked world of work, or we launch into school online or around campus or in person, the first people we're going to hit are usually those that are in our house. And so here it talks about, let us each please our husband, our wife, our kids, our parents for his good. So in other words, I'm going to look for some way that I could purposely add value to their life for their good. And then it says, leading to edification. Now, that you want to mark because here's what we're talking about. It's not just say, oh, my kids want candy in the morning, so I want them to be pleased, so I'm going to give them candy, and everybody's happy. How's that work for you? Okay. At the end of the year, they'll be spoiled kids. Toothless probably too, but spoiled kids. Here it says, leading them for edification. So when you pop out of bed in the morning and you face the first people that God put in your life and then you move through the, the network of other people you have in your life, your thought is, I want to lead them to being built up in some measure to add value. That's what the word built up. I want to edify them. I want one brick upon another brick. I'm building my house, that kind of thing. And so I'm going to please them in such a way that will build them up. And so that's our responsibility. And that's this whole point. I want to develop deeper and better relationships. So how do you do that? Let me submit three of these to you to get you to start thinking. Okay, I want to own this, but I don't know how to do this thing. Well, remember, it's... Christ didn't please himself. He went to the cross so that we would be a part of his forever family and that we can mature in him. But he had to do the worst part, going to the cross. The good news is we don't have to go to the cross, but we may have to give up some of our time. We may have to give up some of our space, right? But for him, he gave his life. So how do we do that? Well, to do this, the first thing we want to do is 
We want to. We have to want to build a genuine relationship. So think about the people in your life. Some of you really want to build with them. You just found, got a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend kind of thing. You got newly married and said, so, woo, I just want, what can I do? You can bring them flowers today, bring them seeds tomorrow, and tell them you thought about it on the third day maybe. But that, that's not what this is talking about. It's constantly adding and building. So do you want to build a relationship? So in your mind, I want you to think about the most difficult person right now that God has allowed to come into your life that you want to build a better, genuine relationship with them. Think about who that might be. That irregular person, that sandpaper person that might be in your life. Who could that be? Who's it this week, last week? You want to build into their life. Well, have you quit wanting to build into their life? Now, I know you can't see this. I have one right here. You have one right there. It's called a want-to button. We have to push that want-to button. Has something held your hand back from pushing that want-to button to help build a better relationship with that person? Well, that's number one. Number two, after we want to, then we need to attempt to repair any broken relationship. In other words, having a want-to is good enough. That's like your kids say, oh, well, Clean your room, son, and the kid comes back to you and he says, I'll try. Is that an answer you'll accept? I'll try. Well, I tried, it didn't work, so I'm going to go out and play. No, no, you have to want to do this. And so as you want to do that, the next step is attempt to repair that broken relationship. At least assume you're part of any damage that you caused in that relationship. Can you do that? Can you work on at least your part? Sometimes if you humble yourself, God will give you extra grace and then he'll lift you up in that relationship so that you can have a real meaningful time with them. How powerful that is. Here's a phrase you might want to write in your margin. It goes like this. You have to connect before you correct. You have to connect before you correct. Some of the relationships you know could be better if the other person would change some things in their life. And you've worked real hard, but it's not working. And so now you backed away. Maybe it's time for you to reconnect with them so you can correct them. All right, the third one is kind of interesting. And that is, I should make an all-out effort to build up other people. Maybe with one, you've attempted, and it's not going very much, and you can't cast the pearls before the swine. We get that. But on the other hand, does that mean all relationships are going to be bad? Had one bad marriage, all of the marriages are going to be bad. Have one bad kid, all of them are going to be bad, so we're not going to have kids. Wherever it is, one bad experience in a church, so we're going to go from church to church to church to church. What is it? No, in this case, we have to give an all-out effort to build up that relationship. Now, why would we do that? If you did any study on world religions throughout time, you're going to find that no religion in all of eternity, we'll say, is based upon one R word. That R word is relationship, except for Christianity. For us to trust Christ, we're trusting Him to not only have a home in heaven like a little uh, vacation spot, it's a home in heaven with Him. So it's a relationship we have now that is waiting for us in a location that's better than here later, but it's with him. Charlie Brown, Lucy in the cartoon, I I picked this up. I I hope you see the humor in it. Lucy says to Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, it's the Christmas season. I think we ought to bury our differences, forgive each other, and try to be kind and get along. And Charlie Brown, you know, a smile on his face is great, but why just this season? Why not all year? And Lucy says, what do you think I am? Some kind of a fanatic, you know? And a little bit of truth is, yeah, I'll try it for a little bit, then I'm going to leave it and go on and do something else. It's We don't have that luxury. So one of our convictions this year to, would be to strengthen 
our relationships by not just going to have fellowship, but that wherever we go, we think of how to add value. Now, let me clarify something for some of you real powerful Christians out there. That doesn't mean every time you see someone, you'll say, Hey, Joe, change your ways. Turn or burn. You don't do that. You know, it's building a relationship. Like I said, the connecting part before you correct them. So as you see them, they're not all your mission field, but they are in some measure. Those that need something more than what you have. Stay with me now. That person may be weak in that area and you want to add value to them. Will you allow yourself to to admit that you could be weak in another area? that that same person who is strong in that area that you're weak in could add value to your life. So while we are going around trying to make everybody else strong and built up in the Lord, could we say everybody is somebody in his body? We all need each other. That's number two. Let's go to number three. There's only four. And I know you're saying I'm so grateful it's not 40. So let's just look here at four. Here's a third one, all right? He says, third one, I will take personal responsibility for my part in world evangelism. Now, to me, I think that's very important because the first one is kind of neat. I'm in the Word. It's very safe to be in the Word. Nobody's going to say anything nasty to me. I'm all alone in my little prayer closet, and I'm going into the Word. It's very, I love the Word. I love being around the Word, you know. Not putting that down, not mocking that. But at the same time, if it's all the Word, if we're not doing the Word, then we're not going to then build relationships. If we're doing the Word, then what are we going to do? We want other people to grow in their faith. And if that's the case, then we also want to make sure that we do our part in evangelism. So a lot of people like to be around Christian country clubs. They like to be around Christian rec centers, so to speak. They like to be around people that they know that love them and they can navigate easily around them and high-five them back when you can high-five them, all right? All of that is true. Not putting that down, but it could it be that somewhere within our level of conviction, we have a conviction for world evangelism, but we're not partnering in that. So it now becomes wishful thinking. We like that conviction. We should have that conviction, but it's not one that we really own in our own heart. Now, what might that look like can be in a lot of different ways. So I'm just giving a scattergun shot at you all. But I've been praying, like in the first verse, that you would hear what God might have to say out of these words from his word to you, to take you to the next place so the rest of your life could be the best of your life. Now, these verses are very common to you, but... Do me one favor. Take a little checkup from the neck up on this. Kind of look at your heart and uh, see what God is saying to you. Jesus said this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, what he did say here in this verse is how to go into all the world. Does that mean you have to go to every continent, every country, every city, and every bush yourself to reach people? No, no. But I do believe we need to have a global focus and be willing to whatever we can to reach as many people that we can with what we have been given by God so we never, ever, ever, ever lose our global focus. Notice the next verse, a verse you probably all have memorized. It says here, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, look, look, I'm with you always. So I didn't send you there, and I'm staying in my little popcorn palace in heaven. He said, no, 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 I'm with you always. How long? Even to the end of the time, the end of the age. 
Now take your pen, if you will, because I want to bring out four easy truths here to show you what a total world evangelism program would look like. It's in this verse. It's real easy. It's so simple. There are only four words, and each word begins with the letter M, so it's so simple. Look at it. Jesus said, go therefore. Actually, it says in the Greek, as you go. That means however, wherever you go in your life. It says, make disciples. So put the word make above that phrase. Circle, make disciples, and then put the word make up there. Make. And to make a disciple, you can't be a disciple until he's trusted Christ as Savior. So you know that your first step is to help them come to faith alone in Christ. In that, then follows to help them then to become a fully obedient worshiper of the Lord. So you've got to make them a disciple. And a disciple doesn't become a disciple until they've chosen to be a student of the Lord. Then it says of all people groups. So our people group could be your cul-de-sac. It could be your HOA. It could be where you work today. But don't ever forget that there's nations, people groups all over the world, and how much the Lord might want to use your gifting, your ability, your personality to reach people even further away. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.